what is the nature of ultimate truth now in the indian tradition we will say it is aham brahmasmi now aham brahmasmi or i am brahman uh, is is just a, a phrase it is a, it is a couple of words in sanskrit now if i tell you the meaning uh, in english all i have done is i have converted some sounds in sanskrit into some sounds in english that is not the the actual uh, you're not actually getting the substance of what that message is conveying it is like if i say the word orange or mango or banana uh, it is just a word you do not get the benefit of having an orange or a banana or a mango from just hearing the word if you're hungry uh, saying food does not make your hunger go away so just like that saying aham brahmasmi does not automatically confer the truth of aham brahmasmi upon you though the truth is already there uh, nobody is not brahman that truth is not realized merely by listening to someone uh, expound upon the truth now for this process of uh, disidentifying this false notion or false identity with the separateness and going back to the universal being uh, is a process of several lifetimes and in order to keep this process to some degree guided and to some degree uh, efficient certain techniques have been uh, accumulated over time you can call them the various yogas everybody has some strength or weakness somebody is physically strong somebody is intellectually strong somebody is emotionally strong somebody is energetically strong uh, so to tap into the strengths of uh, different kinds of people different kinds of yogas are chosen there are uh, there is no upper limit on how many kinds of yogas can be there anybody who realizes the universal truth has utilized some form of yoga because the word yoga itself just means union with the supreme truth so to unite with that supreme truth uh, whatever technique people use they will call it yoga and those who have united with the supreme truth using their power of analysis deduction and intelligence it is generally called gnana yoga those who attain it through physical austerities they might call it hatha yoga those who attain it through tapas and meditation they will call it raja yoga those who attain it through uh, emotions will call it bhakti yoga those who attain it through kundalini energy and other energetic manipulations they will call it kriya yoga now this is just a label to begin with the label is not necessarily exclusive there is no restriction saying that someone who is a kriya yogi cannot also be a bhakti yogi or a gnana yogi or a raja yogi it's a combination for example whenever a kriya yogi is talking about mahavatar baba ji they are practicing bhakti yoga 
बिकॉज दे हैव टेकन अ फिगर ऑफ से जागस्त्या और महाअवतार बाबा जी और समवन एज देयर गुरु एंड दे वर्शिप दैट एंड देर फोर यू सी दैट भक्ति योगा एज ऑल्सो बींग यूज इट इज एसेंशली अ प्रोडक्ट ऑफ द टाइम एंड एंड द कल्चर दैट द योगा डेवलप्स इन अ टाइम वेर देर इज ग्रेट अमाउंट ऑफ फ्रीडम प्रॉस्पेरिटी टाइम टू सी डाउन एंड एनालाइज ज्ञान योगा कम्स अराउंड बिकॉज इट इज दैट काइंड ऑफ पीपल हु कैन सिट अराउंड एंड दे विल बी टेकन केयर ऑफ बाई सोसाइटी एंड दे कैन अंडरस्टैंड एट लेजर द स्पिरिचुअल ट्रूथ्स ऑफ द यूनिवर्स देन इन अ डिफरेंट टाइम वेन एक्चुअली एवरी वन नीड्स टू वर्क एंड इट इज सर्वाइवल इज डिफिकल्ट स्टिल स्पिरिचुअल प्रोग्रेस एंड एक्टिविटी कंटिन्यूज टू हैपन in these kind of times a karma yoga kind of activity has to happen and uh, it is also the personality not everyone is suited to sit uh, in contemplation some are better suited to uh, learn through through work itself that is their personality also so you know that the the, uh, the you could call it your own karma that is if your karma is to be born as a very physically active person then making you sit in one place and do nothing uh, is not the right kind of activity for you and likewise if your uh, uh, collective karma is that the world is going through a certain amount of turmoil then also it is not the right time to sit in one place and just be contemplative there are also times when there is nobody teach you there is uh there is no spiritual text available there is a uh, uh there is no guru available in these kind of situations you are not lost uh bhakti is very common everybody has uh, emotional capacity to some greater or lesser degree and so bhakti yoga is always one of those things that is very hard to extinguish in this world it will never be lost see kriya yoga somebody must teach you other than, unless they have to unless they derive it themselves usually somebody will teach you some technique bhakti you don't have to teach to anyone it can just come naturally the more you think about something um, and you adore it and you worship it bhakti is a natural outflow of that so bhakti yoga has always been popular in times of uh, strife in times of uh, uh, of of hardship that is why when you see in uh, christianity bhakti yoga is very uh, high uh, because they were slaves and enslaved people don't have much time for worship, uh, for any kind of worship or any kind of spiritual practice but uh, while they are doing their work they can still have a bhakti bhava in their mind as they go about their work and so bhakti has become the basis of all religion more or less uh whether it is islam or christianity in uh, hinduism or in this sanatana dharma this land we have uh, had a variety of uh, uh, uh time periods in the past where sometimes we have been rich sometimes we have been poor sometimes we have been blessed with uh, intelligent people sometimes we have been blessed with emotionally resonant people so all kinds of uh, 
techniques of approaching God have been experimented in this land. That does not mean we have experimented with every technique of approaching uh, that universal truth, uh, because that is limitless. We don't know what kind of humans can be created tomorrow and what kind of new uh, feelings or emotions or other capabilities they come with. But there are as many ways of reaching that truth as there are uh, people eager to seek the truth. Uh, it is like reaching the center point uh, in an infinite space. Uh, wherever you are from, you have a, your own journey to reach that center point. Now, these journeys are... Uh, they are not deterministic. You cannot say you begin a yoga and within a certain period of time uh, you will reach the truth. It depends. It varies greatly on where you are, how serious uh, you are about your journey and uh, whether those conditions are suitable for it. So it is, a, it is not a guarantee that by practicing any one kind of yoga you will reach the truth faster than not practicing any yoga. But it is likely, far more likely, to that you will uh, reach the truth through a guided spiritual practice of yoga uh, than to go randomly. Because ultimately the realization happens uh, when it happens. It can happen in the next moment. It may not happen for lifetimes. And that is the will of the Supreme Being itself. And, and there is nobody who can control that. So in the meantime, the yogas are there for the well-being of the individual, the yogi who is practicing it, as well as for the well-being of society. So a yoga which destroys the body of the human in order to reach the truth is not always as popular as a yoga that empowers that human, gives them some capabilities, some powers, some health benefits, some material benefits. So that is the uh, next topic of spiritual materialism, which I will cover in the next audio. So we have seen that uh, yoga Though it is considered a journey, the spiritual seeking is considered a journey. That is, a journey means there is a, a beginning and an end, a destination and a certain time period. A spiritual journey is not like uh, a conventional journey. Uh, the, the end cannot be defined because the moment you are able to define the end, you have reached the end. It is, uh, it is like hunger to some degree. Uh, somebody, you know, the old story is there. Somebody comes in to a restaurant and uh, that person is very hungry. And uh, uh, they say, I would like to order some idlis. So they get the first plate of idli. He eats it. Second, third, fourth plate comes. And the person is still hungry. So more plates of idli keeps coming. And after maybe the eighth or ninth plate of idli, the person is satisfied. Now, at that point, 
the person says, if only I had eaten this uh, ninth plate of idli to begin with, I would have saved some money because the first eight plates of idli did not satisfy my hunger. It is this ninth plate of idli that really did the trick. So like that, uh, we may say that a certain person uh, reaches the final goal of jnana, let's say Ramana Maharshi, the jnana yogi, that is what we call it. Right? We say he's jnana yogi or Mahavatar Babaji is a kriya yogi. But you don't, you don't know anything about their previous lifetimes. You don't know what other kind of personalities they were and what other methods they went through. All you know is that when they reached the goal, they were a Jnana Yogi or a Kriya Yogi or something. Given this journey is basically an indeterminate length of time, and even after the destination, the journey still remains the same. There is an old uh, Zen saying, uh, before enlightenment you chop wood and you carry water, and after enlightenment, you chop wood and you carry water. That is, your life goes on the same as it was before. It does not materially change anything in your life. Uh, enlightenment by itself, that realization by itself, cannot give you money, power, health, wealth, anything. It does not. That is just a, you have a inner understanding uh, you have an understanding of your true nature. You are one with everything. But what does that all mean? You can only know when you reach that point. So, the various yogic techniques that have become popular, because obviously there are techniques that did not become popular. There were techniques that were suitable for one or two people and it died with them. The techniques that have become common knowledge that are popular with a lot of people are ones that uh, reward the yogi who uses that technique even during the journey itself. So, for example, you take a Hatha Yoga a person, a Hatha Yogi, the Hatha Yoga is going to immediately reward you with the benefit of good health. Even if you don't get to the point of reaching the union, uh, the yogic uh, destination. Right now you are rewarded with good health. Similarly, uh, when you are doing karma yoga, you are rewarded with social approval, you are rewarded with money and uh, you know the uh, uh, very good material life as long as you are doing karma yoga. Uh, nobody uh, will speak badly of you because you are just doing your work uh, you know, with, with a great deal of uh, sincerity. Similarly, with Bhakti Yoga, you are getting rewarded in emotions. The moment you do Bhakti Yoga, you are getting uh, high feeling. You know, you are getting a sense that you are uh, with Krishna or Rama. And uh, that is its own reward. So, like that, uh, all the techniques of yoga that are popular are the ones that have got a good reward to them. So with Kriya Yoga, you you get a almost electric feeling. You start to get uh, you know exalted states of mind. Uh, you start to get energetic feelings through your spine. You start to feel tingles. Start to get visions. You start to see um, things. 
okay so you know the, it these appeal to various kinds of people certain kind of people want entertainment they go with a certain kind of yoga certain kind of people want material wealth they go with a certain kind of yoga and that is why it is so contradictory over time you see that uh, for example the buddha will say at least when he began uh, the theravada buddhist even today they uh, have very austere tradition you have to go to the forest you have to shave your head you have to wear brown robes you have to sit and meditate only in the forest that is also a kind of yoga now in a time period where you need a certain community around you of like minded people and where you want to get away from you know the 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 rigors of society that is very appropriate you can go away into the forest and you can lead a good life in other times uh, it may not be the most appropriate thing to do in or for for many people for example today there are very few uh, theravada uh, forest monks who there are still a few in thailand and burma but in general it is not popular it is not like the way it was during the buddha's time when lakhs of people were living in the forest in that time period it satisfied the needs of a lot of people today it doesn't today uh, um, you know the modern yoga gurus like sadguru they have lakhs and lakhs of followers because that what they are giving is more suitable for this age it it appeals to a lot of people you can do a slight amount of hatha yoga you get some limber in your body you get some strength in your body you do a little bit of meditation you get some peace of mind you do a little bit of bhakti you get some peace of mind fine the point is that all this is a kind of materialism so there is something called spiritual materialism any time you are seeking uh some reward or side benefit or you know uh, uh extra from doing your spiritual activity that is a kind of spiritual materialism so when someone has a vision of uh, of a deity of a guru of something spectacular uh, that uh, that is the it appears to that kind of person that is their reward uh so if you have astral vision you travel you see some beautiful things you see some uh, angels with wings and that is you know those kind of people tend to end up living in their mind totally uh they will be talking about i saw this here i saw this vision there i saw blue aura there and so on and so forth and that is absolutely satisfactory for them i am not saying it is right or wrong that is the kind of life they lead and they will have the appropriate you know uh positive and negative of that the positive of that is you're constantly entertained you constantly have something going on in your life because even when you're alone in a room you'll start seeing colors all around you you'll start seeing visions all around you the negative of that is you are very detached from this physical world you cannot function much in this physical world you start seeing energies everywhere you say this is this is a positive energy space this is negative energy space this is that good and bad and you start seeing thing divisions that other people do not see and when you have uh, the physical culture of a hatha yogi uh, 
such people have immediate benefit in this world they uh, they do a lot of physical activity and their health is very good the side effect of that uh, is that you know they when you talk to them about uh, esoteric concepts conceptually they will not be able to have a uh, construct if you ask them to lecture uh, for one hour on what is the nature of brahman even if they realize it it becomes kind of hard for them to talk because that is talking is not what they do right and uh, if you ask them uh, whether they have experiences of lights and visions and all that probably will not so everything has some trade off if you think that this world is very important and function functioning in this world is very important then certain those kind of yogas appeal to you if you think that uh, functioning in the abstract having grand mental concepts having uh, uh, an intellectual understanding um, a mental understanding of the universe is very important then jnana yoga uh, and such things will appeal to you ultimately that is not the truth these methods are just ways to pass the time while the truth uh, is attained or or realized it doesn't matter whether you eat puri or idli or dosa your hunger is still not yet satisfied so you're and continuing to eat something in one lifetime you eat puri in one lifetime you eat dosa in one lifetime you might eat idli that is basically how in various lifetimes people do various kinds of yoga and the problem is also when people get attached to that spiritual materialism so this is uh, also what various gurus have tried over time so the buddha comes and says all these rites and rituals must be disbanded they are wrong because people were getting too much attached into bhakti yoga and all the rituals that are uh, associated with that so they were having uh, temple festivals and building grand temples and having all that uh, pomp and glory around that and uh, it was actually eating up you know into the <coughs> vital energy of the people when the buddha came into this world there was an economic crisis of some kind going on and the in the past there had been a great deal of economic prosperity in india so the bhakti yoga kind of traditions with grand temples and grand rituals and all that was very popular but the reason the buddha was successful was because his teachings came at a time when uh, people could not afford uh, that kind of lifestyle and immediately the notion that abandoning rituals abandoning all that kind of worship going into the forest <clears throat> and uh, avoiding uh, wealth uh, this is a good solution for a lot of people who are having economic difficulty at the time uh, and that is act- actually how these things work uh, anything can be yoga the only question is is your aspiration sincere or are you trying to waste time because if your aspiration is about convincing others that you are enlightened you can do several things 
If your aspiration is to know for yourself what is the truth, you do something else differently. Whoever has a sincere seeking and aspiration to look for the truth, they don't need to look for a guru. They will be built in a certain way that they will be self-guided. By and large, it's not a blanket statement, but by and large, you will see that most people who seek a guru are not uh, the most sincere kind. They have some desire for spirituality, but they are also not willing to invest their own energy and time to figure it all out. They want someone who can give a ready-made solution. But this is the thing. Uh, your hunger, you have to eat. Only then your stomach is filled. And a lot of people come to the guru because they get some, you know, and depending on the kind of guru it is, they get some kind of benefit of being with that guru. But they don't get the ultimate truth. It just becomes a kind of time pass. And maybe that is also good because that is the whole point of spiritual meditation. Like I said, you cannot reject it. You cannot totally embrace it. If you get lost in the spiritual materialism of uh, rites and rituals, of... Uh, attaining the perfect yogic body or of attaining siddhis of levitating of trailing the future of reading minds all all that or you get stuck in uh, you know watching astral visions and traveling to you know uh, different lands different places having uh, encounters with uh, various himalayan beings or uh, shambhala or whatever this is uh, you, all a kind of spiritual materialism. That is not the truth. That is not the truth you are after. But it is something to keep you, you know, occupied and profitably occupied while you are still seeking. So there comes a time when you are rewarded by it. Then there comes a time when you have to abandon it to go into the whole truth. Once you have gone into the whole truth, you may still come back and engage in some of this, but this whole uh, attachment to it will not be there. Some of the uh, most, uh, what do you say, accomplished of, uh, of the yogis will not have that same vigor for their old yoga after realization as they had before realization. Someone who's a Hatha yogi who's very focused on their health, on doing various asanas, uh, after realization, you'll find that they will not be that much bothered about their uh, asanas and all that because uh, it's okay. You'll do, you'll do whatever is needed for your well-being, but uh, you're not going to overdo it. It's the same with the intellectual kind of yogi, the, the jnana yogi. Uh, they see the truth everywhere. So there is no more need for that kind of uh, uh, analytical uh, thinking. And uh, it is the same with the Bhakti Yogi. Once the Bhakti Yogi reaches the total truth, they will not find the capacity to do Bhakti anymore. They have merged into the union. After that, all that spiritual materialism kind of drops away. Uh, so that is a balance. You want uh, some benefits while the journey of yoga is being undertaken, but don't make the benefits the primary motive.
and don't get lost in those benefits always be able to see that the truth is beyond all this because otherwise there is no difference between someone who is going after uh, the material benefits of this world you know like getting a fancy car getting a fancy house getting fancy job and all that and someone who is going after uh, some visions of uh, spiritual beings some um, you know powers or uh, some kind of state of mind i was in samadhi for 6 hours 10 hours the kind of people who speak like that uh, there is no difference between someone who is having a mercedes benz and very proud of it and someone who is having an 8 hour samadhi and feeling very proud of it both uh, uh, are spiritual material are kind of materialism one is spiritual one is you know of this world the physical materialism but it is it is just a way of running life